Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Straight talking ideas to grow your business. Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast, the show that aims to help you grow your business. You can listen to us on Spotify and all other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to leave us a review. This helps us become more visible so other people can find us and start listening to the show. If you want to view us in vision, you can go to the marketingsimplified.co.uk website where you can find more about us, our contributors and our guests. Today, John and Georgia, we're going to talk about past guests, past customers, past experiences, and something a little bit lighter for our audience today. So I'm going to kick off. And I'm, going to, <laughs> I'm going to kick off with, um, with my personal training days. Oh. Yeah, before, before I got a little bit soft, soft around the middle. I was, Is that uh, going to get a little bit blue? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, it could have done this specific situation. So, so I was training this PCSO and she was get, had to get to a specific fitness level to, to get accepted. And she was adamant on taking me out for a drink. I mean, she just, she was relentless. It was three or four times per, per you know, in the hour session. She'd be like, oh, come on, wow. come on, drink. It was, it was, you, you know, if it'd been to. the other way around, like a, a man doing it to a woman, I would have been arrested and questioned for it. <laughs> Harassment. It, it kind of was. It was borderline that. So um, I didn't go out for a drink with her, but I did um, get another 10 sessions out of her, which is the sign of a great business person. <laughs> <laughs> so you just elongated it and got, it got her to book more sessions in the hope that you would take her for a drink. Goals. You know, I didn't get more money out of her than necessary. But um, I, I tell you what, if you want to take the lesson out of it, it was about establishing the boundaries between being the the professional and the client, if you like. So, so yeah, in the end, nothing happened. But um, as I say, if it was the other way around, you could certainly see how situations like that, especially in the, the therapy world or personal training world or whatever, can mm. become, those lines can get blurred very, very quickly. I think so, so interestingly, that was your PT days. And I guess that industry um, is kind of renowned for that, isn't it? Everyone's hot and sweaty and in environments that can be quite, um, I don't know, seductive maybe. But as a tradesman... Did you have anything like that, um, you know, in that part yeah. of your life? Once or twice, and I speak about this with, with other with other tradespeople, and it's funny, like uh, one guy that I speak to, and I'm not going to name him, but I'm going to put it on him rather than sort of put the attention on me, is every time that happens to him, all he reminds himself is, it's only because they want a discount. It's only because they don't want to pay the money, and he'd oh. rather have the money. So, so he gets himself in that mentality, but this idea of, you know, every plumber that goes around, it's, it's this kind of narrative that's going to happen. I've got to break it to all the young apprentices out there. <laughs> you, might, you might get one, you might get one, but don't join this industry for that, for that expectation. But you guys, you guys hide behind your computers all day. So what's yours all that? Yeah, I don't have any interesting stories like at all you've never been sent the wrong emails at the wrong times because that that tends to be quite an interesting one so when someone just forwards you on the uh, email um (laughs) (laughs) and and people have forgotten what they've written maybe behind below the fold so um they've sent an angry email to maybe their accountant saying oh for christ's sake pay this person and they've let them let the accountant know exactly what they feel about you or someone else and then the accountant then forwards on the email to you saying oh it's been paid and it'll be in your bank account by x and y and z then you scroll down and you can read the full conversation <laughs> you must have had that before that's that seems to happen quite a lot no but i guess a big lesson there something i was taught early on in my business life is always be careful what you put in writing yes at oh, any completely. point yes. so 
just because, yeah, things like that, you never know where an email thread, who's going to be CC'd or, or accidentally forwarded onto. As with WhatsApps as well, I think. Um, people yeah, love certainly. a little screenshot, don't they, of, uh, oh, this is, this is what's uh, being said in this group chat or whatever else. And certainly, I mean, don't say anything you regret on a recorded podcast. I mean, that's, oh, no. that's no. probably lesson number one right there. <laughs> Don't ever say that. Don't upset John because he's got the license and owns all the content. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the editing skills, which Andrew and I are terrified of. <laughs> terrified. I mean, the email I'm, trails definitely happened. I've seen yeah. that when um, um, when we were running the business before, and you had sort of three or four different staff in the office, and you'd have these long chains of tenants, landlords, the property manager, and so on and so forth. And someone would let you have it. I don't know what it is, but when you're behind a keyboard, you know, people forget how to actually communicate with humans on a human level and they just go for it. And then I'd always CC the member of staff they were talking about when it was appropriate. And they used to come back to me and say, why did you do that? I said, well, I'm only going to say it to them anyway. And I said, and if you're, if you're going to speak to me like that, about them, then, then they need to know what type of person that they're dealing with as well. Absolutely. It's funny as well, like on um, not so much a BNI level, but the amount of times there's certain clients that will talk to a member of the team completely differently to the way they'll speak to you. And I never get that. I never understand that. And it actually stops, for me, it stops the, the business relationship moving forward a lot of the time. It's a power thing. You know, thing. Mm. It's kind of, it's, it's, I suppose they're too into their chain of command that they don't see the person behind everything. And it's working in those larger organizations where I can only communicate with the CEO or the MD or someone on the board or a manager. But you, if you're a grunt, I'm going to treat you like dog dirt. You know, oh, that's you're under, the, you're under that. the foot. Cannot stand that. And I see it, I see it a lot. And, you know, it especially amazes me when, when it is, say, as we're talking about letting agents or estate agents, like some of the estate agents, if they're part of a, a bigger chain, they might just be one of the juniors. So they're probably earning very similar money to, to what the, the admin guys in the business are earning anyway. And it's like, you, there's no position here. Like, we're all people. You know, just there's no real excuse. You talking like an arsehole isn't going to make this speed up. It's not going to change the process or make us do any favours for you. That, that, I think that's probably one of the things that disappoints me most about, about people, especially in, in the business environment. There was one interesting story. So one of, one of the businesses I've worked in when I was employed in the, in the West End, um, it was a studio business. And um, so every so often, the accountants used to come in, see with the books, audit everything. Um, and so there was one particular meeting that we got told about. And the accountants in there with all the, the directors of the company, they're in the, one of the biggest studios, just sat around. The accountant... Um, has got you know got his feet up on the table and stuff, and uh, then realizes that on the way into the studio, he stepped in some chewing gum. So the runner, like the lowest pay grade in the whole entire building, has gone in there just to get teas and coffees out and things like that. And the accountant looks around and goes, "Oh, can you just get the um, the chewing gum off my foot, please?" Oh. Sliding it inside the tread of his shoe and all this, and it's like, "Are you being serious? You want me to actually scoop the chewing gum?" out of your shoe and he looked around for reassurance and the guy who owned the business turned around and said yeah yeah can you do that please like, oh, mate. what is yeah. that about so later on as it turned out 12 years later this runner stuck with the business and actually then became the md of that company can you guess what is the first thing he did as the md of that company bad working with any accountants <laughs> found a new accountant yeah can you believe it 
brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, it's just kind of like kind of a little bit calmer, I suppose, with that. But you know, that's kind of you treat people like that. Eventually, you get your comeuppance. I think. Yeah, what's the saying is, um, be careful how you treat people on the way up because mm. they'll remember you on the way down. It doesn't. It doesn't take long. Nothing's forever. Nothing's guaranteed. So yeah, yeah, that that that's kind of key. That's fundamental. I know we sort of started this with funny things, but we're going actually onto quite yeah. a serious subject, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah. Straight into how people treat each other, which is yeah, which is yeah. essential and probably one of the reasons why we all work for ourselves. To be fair, yeah. mm-hmm. although working for yourself sometimes, you know, I do argue with him. You know, we don't always get. <laughs> You don't always get on. So you're in a room full of one person. Yeah, I get that. I get that. There can be differing opinions. <laughs> don't always see eye to eye, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, is that, that's a very good point, I think. You know, why is this why we've all chosen to run our own businesses, be self-employed? Um, because we don't want to be um, told what to do by someone else, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or conform to someone else's vision of how a company should be run. That's probably more accurate. Or I think it's it's a case of when you're working for different companies, there'll always be good people and you'll always stay because of good people, good bosses. In the same way when you're at school, there's good teachers and you'd always do well in the subjects, even on paper, if it wouldn't be your first choice subject. So whatever the organization, if the leadership was kind of right or correct, you'd stay. But it gets to a point where actually uh, there's not a great big pool of well-balanced leaders that you aspire to. There, There really isn't. And so what can you do? What can you affect? What can you change? Well, you can change your own leadership style. You can change and work on your own business skills. And and I think that that for me was, I kind of start, started to see people that always led through position or always led through their job title. And it became very difficult to sort of follow people because of what their vision was for the company or their personal vision was for them. But if I'm not happy with something in my business, then ultimately that's because I'm not doing something right, and therefore the motivation to change it is there. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, that, that was a, that was the first lesson I think of um, when I was in employment and all of a sudden had a team to manage. Uh, you know, you don't like you say you can't. You don't just rule by the fact that you are put in that position. You have to start to earn the trust and respect of the people below you, and you still have to teach those people. And any manager is there to replace themselves with the people who are below them. So you train them up to take your position. Um, there, was, there was an interesting thing that I'd read um, the other week about um, the failures of business. Because if you think about a, a structure for the business, you get promoted in one of the, in a larger business because you're good at doing the job that you do. And then you mm-hmm. put into a new role, which you aren't necessarily good at doing. And you have to learn how to do it. Um, and then you get moved on to the next one. So you're kind of always moving up into something which you, aren't necessarily have, you don't necessarily have the skills to do. Yeah, it's so that's, bizarre. That's why it's, it's a bizarre, yeah. It's, it's a bizarre you, you have a good base of, of kind of, you know, good attributes in terms of, you know, communication, listening, um, problem solving for argument's sake. But you're right, that technical aspect of the job. You see it in trades all the time. So, you know, one of my things is about getting trades off the tools. Sometimes they don't want to come off the tools. Sometimes the worst thing for them to do is to come off the tools because they've got that very good technical skill, but they might sort of lack the business skills. So where you have a a firm of, say, engineers, if that engineer is really, really good and you promote him into a management position, well, he's got the skills of an engineer, not a manager. But you're right, it is a fundamental sort of breakdown with that. Is like they should still be an engineer, but maybe 80% of the time and the rest of the time um, being allowed to, to harness their skills in terms of that problem solving, communication, or whatever it is. 
And there's there's, um, there's an interesting example, isn't there, in, in one of our BNI networks. So the, there's a removal company, and the guy who owns it, all he wants to do really is get in the van, drive somewhere, fill it up with people's stuff, and drive it to the place and help move them in nicely. You know, it's a great service, um, but he doesn't want to run the business. He wants yeah. to be out there driving the van, taking stuff around. That's that's what he wants to do, and he enjoys doing the heavy lifting and stuff. But Which he's is fine if one of the challenges for him there, from my observations, and I haven't worked with him, is letting go or relinquishing power for somebody else to run the business. Well, this I think that is the key, isn't it? So I think he has and back office you are actually very good at running the business keeping it going from day to day the bookings etc where it tends to fall down with things like that is the vision for the company moving forwards yeah. because if you're constantly out there on the tools and you've got someone else to actually do the day to day running of everything everything is sorted out apart from the vision how do you move forward what's the next marketing strategy because you've got your head too buried in that in being in the van you don't actually see the bigger picture of the company and how to move it forward, even down to the fact of is your van a bit, you know, old and broken up and has a few dents in it. Don't you want to, you know, is there someone who needs to come in and say, look, that van could do with rebranding, looking nicer, newer, cleaner for the clientele you're going to work with. And this is what you need to put in place to actually get bigger customers further down the line. So what would you do for a company like that, that they want to scale, but you're speaking to the company owner and director who loves driving that removal van and going and being hands-on with that client, right? So I don't know, maybe from your point of view, Andrew, how would you then help that person scale? Is it a case of trying to convince them to get off the tour, so to speak, or are there other um, things to think about that they could put in place that could help them scale? But then they'll always sort of be below the decision-making process, right? Because they'll always have to be, like John said, in the business and being hands-on. So you can't, really do both successfully right well i think it starts with um establishing the roles and responsibilities you know and before you're doing that it's a case of establishing what that individual is really good at and what they really enjoy doing if you can get them to a position when they're always doing the things that they enjoy doing then you set the roles and responsibilities that the rest of the company pick up the other bits and pieces and in an ideal world you've got this hierarchy of individuals within the business all doing what they're really good at and all doing what they really enjoy doing, working towards this one fixed vision. But as, as John mentioned, and you mentioned there, is to get that vision straight, if somebody like that specifically, it's about establishing the pain points. And you're going to have to make that pain real enough for them to put in a serious long-term plan as to achieving what their vision is and what those medium and long-term goals are going to be. Because most of the time, and you see it all the time, all the time, people still just sort of go from week to week, month to month, um, figuring out as they go. And that's, that's no issue for some businesses, but then be realistic about where you're going to end up being. Um, with who we're talking about at the moment, you know, I think they would be happy doing that stuff all, all the time. But the business isn't then leading or driving itself because the initial goal setting and the initial vision work hasn't been done. And that could, by the way, just be a half day with the team. It doesn't even have to be led by anyone externally. It just has to be a discussion about where the company wants to go together. And if he's unsure, then it would be bringing someone external in just to kind of ask the difficult questions and be a little bit confrontational about solving those internal issues and internal problems and have someone make him accountable because he's the boss, he's the leader. And as it stands, most of the time, the person that's in charge is never really confronted about it because they're the boss. Yes. And it's a private business and you're an employee of theirs and you know, you don't necessarily want to rock the boat, but 
realistically, a business like that, if it, can't, if it doesn't have all those roles and responsibilities separated out and it's someone's job to actually do the marketing and forward the business, it's always going to stand still. Yeah. It you're just going to be lucky on the contracts you get. And it would just end up washing its own face, turning over what it needs to turn over, you know, bringing the money that it needs to to pay its people and kind of break even. Again, if that's where they want to be and everyone's happy on their salaries, don't worry about it. Honestly, don't worry about it because you're going to have to go through some uncomfortable um, tasks, elements, um, strategy sessions in order to grow. You only grow when you're uncomfortable. Again, it's the gym analogy. When you go and you, you overload the muscles, you break them down, then you fuel them properly, you rebuild, you grow, and you're stronger next time. It's that constant process that you go through, whether it's mental, physical health, but also in terms of the mental and physical health of the business as well. Um, but he might not have even have the self-awareness to mm. kind of want to do that or ask those questions. And again, there's no right or wrong with this. It's just a case of hopefully the employees will stay long enough because they enjoy working there, even though they might be frustrated about the overall vision and ambition and direction of the company. That is a really good point, isn't it? You're all right until there are major changes. Until yeah. there's until there's a disaster, like, I don't know, a virus of some sort, which might you know mean that you can't work for a number of weeks and you're, lo- you're losing a lot of business from that, and how do you keep things going? Um, or if one of the real key members of staff then decides to move on for whatever reason then you're going to have a real kind of bad time in the business. But Georgia, I mean, from our creative side of things, have you noticed, I don't know if you kind of noticed these types of companies. From my own perspective, it seems to be that that type of company kind of understand that they've got this problem. Um, cost is always a massive issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep coming back to you for ideas. And then you kind of give them that advice. Then they go away for a few months. Everything goes back to normal because they've got some more jobs in. And it's fine. And then the same hiatus of something where business, you know, slows down a little bit. They come back and ask the same question again. Then they go away because cost might be an issue. And the cycle kind of continues yeah. on and on and on. And there's, there's no resolution to that. It will always be a question in the back of their minds until something really drastic happens. Well, I've been quite lucky the last year or two in that the clients that I've started to work with they've maybe I've educated them a certain way maybe they've realized it in part by themselves but they've understood the value of consistency and that by building up their business enough to a point where they can pay people like you or people like me on a monthly recurring basis even if it's on small retainers to start with it's that consistency that is important because it takes time to build up a brand right and to get Uh, noticed in the community if you wait for a time like now where there's a virus going on to start trying to be visible you're playing catch up because actually it's going to take a good few months for all of that hard work that people like you and I do for our clients to to get in the forefront right and to build momentum by which point you know it could be too late but it's about working with the marketeers that can identify your biggest challenges in your business and work with you with things like your budget and think, right, this is your area. Like you used the example with your removals guy, right? Uh, If he's doing lots of work, but his van is really shoddy. That's his biggest thing. That's his biggest marketing advertising piece in his whole business. That's something that could be fixed. I say relatively cheaply by comparison to big old marketing campaigns. That's one single thing. If if he just got that for a few hundred pounds revinyled, it might not even necessarily be redesigned, but uh, if it got redesigned and, and re revinyled for between 500 and a thousand pounds, let's say what the return on the investment is going to be off of doing that once. 
compared to some companies that sort of panic when they're thinking, okay, marketing companies and retainers, I'm going to be spending, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand a year, and I'm only a small business. It starts on just the small things, getting the small things right, get your van right, get your uniform right. Even something like how you're answering the phone, how you're communicating, how regularly you're communicating with your clients. All these little things can help build momentum. And you build your business up slowly, but you should be doing that all the time. You should always be looking at the small things so that you can get to a place where your business is functioning enough and you can start paying agencies to help you. And then you can focus on the business and work with people like Andrew to help you look at the vision properly and to get all your staff in place and grow the team and um, everything else that comes with it. So, um, yeah, that will, that would be my advice for for guys to not wait, not wait to to start. Okay, I'll start my marketing later on. The smallest thing can be um, a good idea with marketing. You just need to speak to the right people and get advice. So, how often have you two had those kind of reluctant clients that maybe had the first conversation, the first phone call, the first meeting? You can see they they are aware of they need to be doing something different. They're aware that they need your help or support but there's just no kind of follow-up. There's no backup. What are the, the struggles and the pitfalls that you guys have with customers or clients like that? I'll let you go, John, first. <laughs> that, yes. <clears throat> well, you can, in a way, you can kind of see it straight away. There's, there's a certain kind of, it's the questions that I think that, that are asked, first of all, and they often involve cost. It's, you know, and it's, it's, it's mostly that kind of like scared appearance. This all sounds brilliant, but how much is it going to cost? That's, that's like the number one thing, number one kind of like flag with things like this. And I think George is very right. You know, it's getting the, the small things right straight away. Sometimes it's, um, and, and, and it was a good strategy as well with different people just starting out in something like BNI as a networking organization, if it's a, a way you use to, to build your business. Offering people a smaller package or a smaller something which isn't going to break the bank, but you can see a lot of value in is the first step to kind of building the trust along the, along that path of this person becoming a longer term uh, business prospect for you. Um, it, it's because it, it is building that trust. If I'm going to give you a thousand pounds, let's say I want to know what's going to happen with it. Um, and if you say, right, I'm going to put a thousand pounds on Google ads or on Facebook, then there's a little bit kind of like, Oh, is, this, is that going to work? Is that really going to work straight off? Because you can show facts and figures for other clients based on that. And yes, it did work for them, but will it work for this particular person? So if it's something tangible like, right, number one, highly visible on the roads, so let's sort out your vans. They're going to look superb. They're going to come back to a really, you know, look fantastic. And you've got your telephone number, website, et cetera, on there. Even if your website is then just a landing page, the first thing, and you've got a professional phone number, an O2O number of some sort, which can easily be uh, rented for two pounds a month um, via different companies that we've worked online. Um, so not just a mobile number. Things then as well, if you've got a website and you've got the right domain, you can use that for your email accounts. You can set something up really simple, which doesn't cost very much money. It's something like five quid um, as a setup fee to have info at your domain rather than bob at hotmail.com. Just th- I think those things are like the real kind of starting out points. And you've got an O2 O number to call. means that you probably have an office. Um, there's a telephone answering service that we've set up for various different companies, which will answer the phone um, for a pound a time. So you've got you know, a hot, sexy voice at the end of the phone. It sounds very professional going, hello, this is John's business. 
Um, he's not around at the moment, but can I take a message and get him to call you back? Yeah, of course. Says your new. You only charge a pound for that, do you, mate? <laughs> it's, like, it's, yeah, hard work. it's hard work it's hard graft do my voice now please <laughs> might just have skyrocketed because of demand so, um but things like that it's, is, it's, it's just putting a professional thing even if you're a sole trader and there's one of you in the business you can start to feel much bigger and put out a much bigger um emphasis in the world very very cheaply you think these clients and customers then don't realize uh, you know that it, it is as simple as that and that whilst they're coming into or entering a world that they might be a little bit unfamiliar with, and therefore there is that level of uncertainty or worry. Um, but as you mentioned, there's, there's, there's entry levels, there's different things they can do, there's smaller things they can do. At what point do you kind of get and say, actually, this isn't going to work? Because you can take a horse to water, you can give them as much information as possible, you can be really sort of helpful, supportive, do your own internal sales process of following up, extra information, free downloads, point them here, point them there, refer them here, refer them there, give them as much free time as possible. But ultimately, if they're still not in the right psychological state of readiness, they're not going to make a decision for themselves, for their business, and therefore come on board. Where do you guys sort of go, you know what, that's that's it, I'm, we're done? I don't think you ever do, do you? I mean, it, it's all, I don't know, is it... Is it I tend to feel of it as more of a process. So if I've, had a, if I've had a conversation with someone right at the start and they decide, no, I can't afford to do this or I don't want to do it for whichever reason, then my value proposition has kind of failed in that point. And so that might be more to do with me or it might be I've intentionally made it too expensive because I want them to jump through a hoop to work with me and capacity, et cetera. But what I generally find is if I've sent out some form of proposal, then nine times out of 10, give it a number of months. They might have gone and worked with someone else, failed or learned something along that process. Mm. Further down the line, if I've done my right touch points on social media and email marketing, further down the line, could be a year, could be two years, you're quite likely to have a conversation again when that business has grown and they're a better prospect then and they're more ready then to take on or work with you. I don't know if you found similar things. I found, Yeah, I did actually. Um, I can, one client jumped straight to mind um, he was a trade. He spoke to me a long time ago about wanting to rebrand his business. Um, he's a really small company. And at the time, budget didn't allow for him to work with me to do the, the new brand. But um, I actually added him to my free Facebook group, which is Tricks of the Trades, where I just give out free advice to the trades guys. And it just allowed me to keep in contact with him, right? I'm giving these guys free tips um, every week on brands and things like social and he came back to me two weeks ago and we booked in our ideal client workshop. Um, and it was, he was saying, you know, I've been following you on this group and uh, that makes sense. And I've done this little thing that helped me. And I stopped making that mistake because you were saying about like boosting posts, all these little things. Um, so I knew right from the start, he wanted to work with me. It's just, it wasn't the right time, but he needed the logo, which there's not much I can really wiggle room in that sense with everything that goes with it. So he needed, he needed a couple of months to sort himself out to arrange his finances and he got to that position, which then was right. But something that happens a lot with me is um, I get a lot of trades and construction clients come to me and they say, I've seen what you've done for John Smith Builder. Yes, yes. I want that. They're really excited because they've seen like how amazing we've rebranded them offline, online, like on their socials and stuff. And then I start talking to them about the packages for that um, as a – just so they can piece it in their mind. But I know full well they're never going to be able to afford that right now because that business that I worked with, this new client hasn't, haven't seen the three years that I worked with them before they got to that stage 
doing the small things, the van, the business card, the uniform, the tiny little incremental bits, which helped that business build up a brand to get to a point where they were making enough money to be able to afford to do the thing they really want. And that is a whole educational thing. That's, that is my responsibility to sit with the client and say, do you know, actually, even if you did have that money for these retainers, I wouldn't take you on right now because I'm looking, I'm auditing your whole business and your vans are disgusting. Your uniform, you're turning up in Nike t-shirts and things like that. Everything else offline, we're not singing from the same hymn sheet. Your business brand foundations, the brand creation, which is what I say, need the one-off things all need to be in place before we start doing any brand promotion, which is the ongoing stuff. So that's the way I educate my clients. It's almost like I don't really care how much money you've got because um, I'm not going to do that for you now while everything else is wrong because I'd be doing you a disservice. I'd be taking your money to promote your business, which is going to look incredible on your social, and then you're going to rock up in your Nike T-shirts and your bank out van with no vinyl, right? So there is, I'm doing myself a disservice and my brand. Yeah. That's what I quite like is when the brand big... stops being about the visual and the creative, but also yeah. is in effect the operational process and how you and the feeling you leave your customers with. But there was some stuff that you guys mentioned there, which we probably take for granted now because we've been in business for a little while. But we mentioned uh, Facebook group. We mentioned um, the, the logo works. We mentioned the email marketing. We mentioned the follow-up processes. Those are all systems within your own businesses, which actually we don't even get to talk about with our clients, whether it's kind of, you know, vision or goal setting and whether it's branding. But there's so many elements and extra values that we're adding or we're trying to give or we're trying to allow people to be a part of our community. This podcast is another one that mm-hmm. kind of, as you mentioned, it's like the information's there, the downloadable sheets are there, the resources are there, and it's when you're ready you'll just come along in that funnel. And when you're ready for this bit, have that bit. When you're ready for that bit, John in a previous podcast mentioned the 30-minute free call that we do. So there's always these little ways that we try and offer value, but we can also give these tools to our clients to offer values to their clients as well. Yeah, because I mean, that's the thing. You have to think about this. The, the things that we're trying out from a marketing perspective are the things then that we're trying to hone, replicate, and see if we can get the same results from for our own clients in many respects. And also as well, you think about this from a creative point of view. If you've got a brand new logo or brand and you're rolling it out everywhere, it's kind of faceless in a way because you don't ever see or get to hear from the designer who put all this together and the ideas that they came up with to create this amazing new thing. And it's kind of almost a fact of, as, as George kind of like touched on, you know, we want our work to be seen by lots of people and to be appreciated for the amount of hard work and time and effort that's been actually put into it. And I think sometimes it can be undervalued. I think mm-hmm. probably not a few times. I think a lot of the time it's undervalued because you don't see a human face with it. Um, and you don't understand that, you know, a creative process is re- very difficult to go through to replicate really good work all the time. And it takes a lot of skill and a lot of experience to be able to actually do that for companies. So don't undervalue and don't rubbish what has been created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that. And but and I think that the, the bigger takeaway for me on that one is the association of professionalism. Because if you guys have bent over backwards to go through that creative process and you you both have the foresight to say, actually, you're not ready for this yet, you're not at this stage yet, your business isn't there yet, you could make the brand look fantastic on the surface, but you scratch mm-hmm. just a little bit behind it and you know, the operations fall down, the sales fall down, the follow-up isn't there, and therefore the reputation of the business and therefore the reputation associated to that brand is rubbish kind of overnight. 
Like I'm no coach, right? But um, as you guys know, I manage a lot of social platforms for my clients um, in terms of the brand. So I'm an administrator. So I get notified when my clients are having messages. Hi there, um, John Smith Builders. I'd really love to get a quote for an extension. Okay, I see all this because I'm an admin. I also then see when those same clients message two days later, hi, John Smith Builders, you haven't got back to me yet. I'm still waiting. Now, when I then have my monthly marketing meetings with these clients, rightly or wrongly, I'm then kicking their asses because I'm like, okay, guys, you're paying me a great amount of money. Like we're doing so much hard work. You're thrilled with all the work I'm doing. It's generating you lots of inquiries and lots of business. Why do I keep seeing that you're not getting back to these these clients, what we're doing here is we're undoing all the hard work that we're doing together here, the time that you're putting in with the monthly sessions we're having, all the creative design time me and my team are putting in. We're undoing all of that. This is really important that you do get back to these clients um, and just manage them, even if it's a case of, oh, thank you very much for emailing, uh, sorry, messaging. Um, we're best reached on email now, blah, blah, blah. So I've started putting in place for the clients that are struggling on Messenger automated Facebook messages. So now anyone that messages, they're sent an automated message thanking them for um, getting in touch. But because they're best reached on email, we're trying to divert the client there um, because then it's going to be seen and have more chance of being responded because they struggle with Messenger. But unless you're starting to keep on top of these things with your clients and help solve their struggles and maybe some of their tech issues, you're completely undoing your brand because everything we're doing is fantastic but you not giving them that phone call back and them having to chase you you just lost a potential client you've just lost however many other potential clients when that person says oh don't bother calling john smith builders i was chasing them for two weeks and no one responded yeah so that's, what, that's what the extra that value where, where you guys come in because we're you two are smaller sort of you know brand agencies uh, digital agencies and so on and so forth that kind of love and care for the client is there if there was just a number in the system or you know get hoodwinked into some sort of seo five hundred thousand pound a month thing of some faces <laughs> company that that joint up approach isn't there and where you say about being a coach or not being a coach it's business experience so at the end of the day if if, if you're there and you're generating these leads and inquiries for someone and they're not coming back and you're able to kind of see where that bottleneck is and and manage it that's mm -hmm. that's perfect and that's that's underestimated and underrated i think by a lot of other customers it still goes back to fundamentally some of the same issues that we see time and time again with all of the guests that we've had on so far it's always communication and speed of communication every single time it's those two things and you can automate a lot of it and do what you've just mentioned georgia but it still comes down at the end of the day that that business owner I don't know. I, I, I haven't worked out what it is. I don't know what it is, that psychological button that just sort of says, something sort of says, I'll, I'll call it tomorrow. I'll do it later. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is to overcome that and just sort of, I think there's, is there a five second rule? Is it, if you don't do it as yeah. soon as you think of it in five seconds, I've, I've read that somewhere. It's yeah. and pick up, right, I've got to do that now. Pick up the phone, do it right now. If you haven't got that sort of mindset or develop that habit to do it in the first five seconds, early doors, you then get into this habit of, procrastinating it putting it off yeah. once you put it off once yeah you've already psychologically allowed your brain to make the decision that it's okay to put it off once and therefore you put it off again and again and then the customer reminds you 
and now it's a little bit embarrassing, so you put it off again and again and again. Yeah. So and Mel Rob, it's Mel Robbins actually. If anyone's interested, and go on YouTube, I think she she puts um, this brilliant talk together about this. Uh, is it three or five? I can't remember, but your brain kicks the in. Five second rule well, might be actually when you drop food on the floor. Food on the floor, which typical you would. Yeah, you would I might be confusing those two. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if it's three or five, but the, the whole concept of exactly what you just said is that even if you're, you're in bed, right, and you're like, the alarm goes off or whatever, and you sit there and you contemplate, oh, should I just stay in bed or whatever? If it's gone past the, the three or the five, whatever one it is, your brain kicks in to like uh, safety mode and trying to do something, uh, trying to convince you otherwise. So you have to make the snap decisions within that short time frame that's when you're going to experience more results because you don't allow your brain, you're kind of like fighting with your brain and having mm. a little battle, but you don't allow your brain to start kicking in and giving you all the reasons why you should not do that thing. Um, so maybe you have to kind of, yeah, I guess race with yourself. If, if it's a case of, oh, <laughs> should I, should I ring that client? Now, instead of, of that, when you get to two seconds, just press the damn button with the link of the, their phone number that pops up and you're on the phone. I don't know, like make a game of it. Maybe that's one idea. But, yeah, when you do solve that, Andrew, do let us know. Cause I, I yeah, it is. I just had a quick look. It's, it's the five-second rule by Mel Robbins, as you said. Yeah. So perhaps we'll put the article on the um, on the bottom for everyone, and I'll have a, I'll have a really look at cool. it. I'd like, to, I'd like to learn a bit more about that one for sure. Mm-hmm. She's got a great one on procrastinating as well. Well, just find a way of being in people's heads for the first five seconds of every single day, of every single decision. <laughs> that's the next step. Oh, my solved? God, that's terrifying. You to be in everyone's head for the first no. five Yes, no. Ah. Yeah, we went full circle on this one today. Didn't yeah, we? we started off with some light-hearted stories about my personal training days. <laughs> ended up about truly the different levels of sort of value that we had in terms of providing for our own customers, our own community, mm. about how people can come in and do the small things like the domain names, like the emails, like getting a logo, and also how we work in terms of maybe not taking on a client if they're not quite ready, but be a part of this community. And when you are ready, come on board. And then went all the way through to procrastination and five-second rules and picking food up the floor. So, you know, it's... So thank you very much for listening. And don't forget that if you would like to have a free 30-minute consultation call with the three of us or strategy call, then please visit johnlawley.co.uk forward slash strategy hyphen call. And you can set up that call then. So we look forward to speaking to you and look forward to having you with us next time. That's all for this time. But don't worry, we'll be back with more soon. Stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk.